Hello, this is Richard Russell, and welcome to Creativity and Composition. Today I have a little bit of a different show in store than I usually have. I have a program on my Macintosh called Omni Outliner, a very good program in which it's very easy for you to type in little notes to yourself and try to keep track of everything that comes into your head. And I've got a lot of little loose ends I've been storing in my Omni Outliner program, and I thought, well, let's get rid of some of these items here. Oh, before we go much further, you can reach me at my website, rdrussell.com. That's R-D-R-U-S-S-E-L-L.com. And you can also read show notes and such at rdrussell.blogspot.com. I forgot to mention those websites last time. In my last podcast, I mentioned that someday you'll write the best piece you've ever written, and then what do you do next? Well, you stay disciplined and you keep writing for one thing. That was the point of my last podcast. But in reviewing my notes, I was reminded of something Jennifer Higdon said. She said that this is the piece that you want to get into the hands of performers. That best piece you've ever written, get that out to as many performers as you can. Performers talk to each other and they can get performances going for you. So if you've written a great song cycle, for instance, get it to every soprano you know. If you've written a great piano trio, give it to a couple of different pianists or cellists or violinists. If you have a recording, great, but I don't recommend automatically giving a CD along with the score when you are dealing with performers. After all, they want to put their own stamp of interpretation on your piece, and they may not be so interested in hearing what others have done before. It's okay to ask if they would like to hear a performance, especially if there are some tricky rhythms, etc., but don't be pushy. And while you're at it, ask your performers what do they think of your piece. Try to have an open mind here. You'll be interested in the different ways performers respond. They may not make a music value judgment. They may just tell you it's easy to play or that it's hard to play. Or you might consider orchestrating it in this way or that way. Or that audiences don't really like your music very much. You never know. Fellow composers always try to be respectful when they talk to you about your music. But performers can frequently be your most honest critics. Here's another note that's been in my inbox for a while. This comes from Robert B. He emailed me some time ago to ask if I would comment on the benefits and drawbacks of investing in an advanced degree in composition, like a master's or a PhD. This is a tough one for me to answer. Full disclosure, I have only a bachelor's and I am 38. I mention my age because I think your age is something to factor in. When I graduated with my bachelor's in music composition, I had to decide what was I going to do next. What I wanted to do was to move to New York City, and that's what I did. Somewhere along the lines, I learned that in the world of music, it's not your education that counts, it's whether you have any talent. In pop music, I think this is certainly true, although talent is not the same thing as, can you fill the seats with people who are willing to pay? In classical music, you have a real uphill battle. After all, the composers who fill the seats are the likes of Beethoven and Mozart, and arts administrators don't have to deal with copyright or tricky orchestrations or other demands. To me, there is indeed real value in getting a higher degree, and sometimes I wish I had gone ahead and done that. Here are a few advantages. First, if you are 22 or 23 and still trying to figure out who you are as a composer, going to a graduate degree buys you the time to further hone your craft. Also, opportunities to get recordings and hear your works and get performances are basically handed to you. 
and not only for a solo soprano either. At a conservatory, you'll be expected to have your large orchestra pieces performed. And let's not rule out the value of networking and building your reputation. I live in New York City, one of the largest cities in the world, and yet the classical music world here is pretty much a small subset, and sooner or later, we all seem to get to know each other. If you are a student in a major conservatory in a major city, you'll be meeting the people that you will be working with for the rest of your career. You'll be meeting your future colleagues, both composers and performers. Now, notice I haven't said anything at all yet about the academic benefits of higher education. Again, I hasten to add that I do not have an advanced degree, but I have never stopped studying. I learn more from reading the papers and going to concerts and listening to new composers than I ever did in a voice-leading class. Experience does count. The biggest advantage I can see from an advanced degree is teaching. If you can position yourself as a teacher in a liberal arts college or in a music conservatory, you will have a fairly good life as a composer. Teaching affords you much free time to pursue your composition career, and you'll be interacting every day with colleague musicians. But a little word of caution, there is a glut of highly qualified teachers out there, so you can't exactly write your own ticket. But it's something to think about. Most of the really big-shot composers I have ever met over the last several years have a steady teaching gig at a college on the side. If you find higher education to be expensive, and really it is, you have to consider your budget carefully. But it might be helpful to think about it as an investment. What return will you get on your principal? But what if you are my age and you don't see yourself going back to school anytime soon? Then I suggest you get organized and put yourself into networking situations. For the last three years, I have been the managing director of the New York Composer Circle. This has put me in the center of all kinds of new music activity, including giving me a chance to have performances of my music in New York. I also work at a day job in a music conservatory, and while I don't teach, I do talk shop almost all day long with fellow musicians. I meet young student performers who are interested in new music. Well, maybe not all of them are interested in new music, but a lot of them are interested. And I'm also meeting the next generation of musicians, both composers and performers, which will help keep me in the loop for the future. So even if you don't see yourself returning to get a higher education degree, try to find ways to get yourself into the music network of your local scene. I think I might have mentioned this in a previous podcast, something that John Eaton said in the lecture I attended. Join everything. Okay, next topic. This is kind of an interesting idea I sort of stumbled across recently. I was talking to a good friend of mine, a soprano, and she had an application she needed to do. And for this application, she was required to put together what amounted to be a scrapbook of her career. She had all the programs of concerts she had ever sung in, letters of recommendation, advertisements, and newspaper articles about her concerts. And I thought, gee, that's pretty neat. It's a scrapbook to her own success. She can kind of hold her whole career in her hand right there and show it off to people. And I thought, well, this is kind of common in other careers, isn't it? If you are a graphic designer, you have a portfolio of your work. If you're an advertising executive, you also have a portfolio, a book of your ad campaigns. If you're a model or a photographer, you have a portfolio of headshots and photo shoots. Well, why not for a composer? Why not make a scrapbook for yourself of your career as you go along? 
Anytime you feel kind of low or dispirited about your career and you're not sure you're getting anywhere, you can always go have a look at your success in your scrapbook and see how far along you've come. And at least invest in some business cards. Sometime about a year ago, I was listening to a marketing podcast that mentioned you should put something intriguing on your business card. Yes, you should have your name and contact information, but put something intriguing on there too, something that makes the cardholder want to know more about you. This marketing podcaster, he said on his business card, he has written, I can make you famous in 90 days. Wow, that looks pretty good, doesn't it? Recently, I was talking to a singer, no, this was not the same singer, this was a different one, who said she had decided to pursue musical theater singing instead of classical music. She wants to become known as a singer of standards and market herself on Broadway. When I asked her about arias and such that she had been studying, she said, with a whole bunch of humor in her voice, classical music and I have had a divorce. I thought that was so brilliant. It was hilarious. I told her she should put this on her business card. She should have her name and her number, and it should say, I divorce classical music. Kind of intriguing. Makes you want to know a little bit more about her. Okay, there's one more item in my Omni Outliner program, which is something I haven't quite known what to do with. I thought I might turn this into a whole podcast episode, but it's an evocative enough statement I heard recently that I thought you should bring your own interpretation to it instead of listening to me ramble on about it. You've already heard me talk at length about form and also about emotions. Well, someone recently said to me, the feeling doesn't serve the form, the form serves the feeling. What do you make of that? I'll say it again. The feeling doesn't serve the form, the form serves the feeling. Something to think about as you write your next composition. Okay, time to close my little software program and get back to our regularly scheduled podcasts. If you have something you'd like to talk to me about or a comment or a suggestion, you can email me via my website. My contact information is there at www.rdrussell.com. That's R-D-R-U-S-S-E-L-L.com. Until next time, this has been Richard Russell with Creativity and Composition saying, keep creating. Keep creating.